Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Piki mai kake mai and a very warm welcome to Our Changing World. Ko Alison Balance Tene. Tonight, we're going to spend the whole show in Fiordland, that vast, wonderful wilderness in New Zealand's southwest. For the past 15 years, the Department of Conservation has been getting rid of pests from some of the many islands that dot the fjords. They use hunters to control and eradicate deer, while possums, rats and stoats are eliminated using traps. The traps need to be checked about four times a year, and I recently got the opportunity to join one of Doc's regular trapping expeditions. Fiordland is remote and very hard to get to, and the work is usually done from the dock boat The Southern Winds. We left the boat's berth in Deep Cove at the head of Doubtful Sound and headed out towards the open sea. Our journey took us first past Secretary Island. At more than 8,000 hectares, Secretary Island is the third highest island in New Zealand. Yep, that's right. It's higher than Stewart Island. That's not its only claim to fame either. It's never had rats or mice. Since 2004, Doc has been getting deer and stoat numbers on the island down to almost zero. We head south down the rough open coast and pop in again to the sheltered waters of Breaksea Sound. We pass 170 hectare Breaksea Island, which was the first large island in the world to be made free of rats, way back in 1988. That initial small success has been scaled up since then as we have tackled larger and larger islands, such as Resolution Island, which passes by as we head down Acheron Passage into Dusky Sound. At over 20,000 hectares, Resolution is by far the largest island in Fiordland and, incidentally, New Zealand's seventh largest. It has mice, but stoats and deer are now controlled to very low numbers. The southern wind leaves Dusky Sound and pops out for another short, rough trip down the coast to Chalky Inlet, which is our first destination. Standing on the back of the boat, I catch up with Lindsay Wilson, who has led Fiordland's pest control work for the past decade. I ask him what his highlight has been. A highlight for me would be seeing a, a whole number of our islands become predator-free and then subsequently translocating a range of threatened species onto those islands. And probably the, the biggest single highlight would be getting Saddleback or Tiaki back onto Resolution Island and also actually Pigeon Island, which is sort of where Richard Henry used to 
live years ago. So quickly remind us of the story of Richard Henry. Okay, so Richard Henry was probably New Zealand's first actual conservation ranger and Resolution Island was our first uh, nature reserve. So back in about 1894, Richard Henry was given the job of going down to Dusky Sound and capturing species that were thought to be threatened like kakapo, little spotted kiwi and um, field and talkweka or the brown kiwi. It was realised that they were being threatened by states on the mainland and so his mission was to go and catch a whole lot of those sort of flightless rare birds from the mainland, put them onto Resolution Island where they thought they'd be safe. Sadly, subsequent events uh, showed that wasn't correct. Stoats could swim quite easily to um, Resolution Island. They didn't understand that then. But he transferred something like five or 600 birds, which was an amazing effort. But sadly, in about just in the early 1900s, about 1901, Stoats actually arrived on the island and sort of undid a whole lot of good work. But, you know, he did sort of start the whole idea of species translocations that we that we do now routinely but it was a new new thing in those days let's just zoom out to the big picture and what is it that you're trying to do down here i guess the real focus for us in the past has been dusky sound particularly and secretary island and doubtful sound and chalky island down here where we are now but i guess the big focus really was well there's sort of two things really one is to is to find secure threatened species onto those islands, but also to restore those islands to some, some semblance of their former glory. So you go somewhere like Dusky Sound, from the outside, it still looks much like it would have looked when Captain Cook and when Māori arrived there, you know, hundreds of years ago. But actually on the inside, it's quite a different story. You know, it's, the, the forest looks the same, but you go inside it, you've got a whole range of predators there, stoats, possums, rats, mice, deer... It's all those sort of normal things on the mainland. And on the island, we haven't got possums on the islands happily, but we've got pretty much everything else. So the idea is to kind of try and restore those islands into, yeah, something like their former glory, with a full range of representative species that used to be in the past, but also to use those islands as biobanks where we can go and secure the species, but also to translocate species from those islands to put them onto other islands and ultimately back onto the main... Or actually, even now, we're putting them back onto the mainland, so we've put transferred more herd onto the mainland already from those islands. So it's a really cool thing. It's a way of kind of securing some of those really rare species we've got. And how are you doing it? It's mostly with traps, isn't it, in terms of keeping the islands predator-free? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty much all with traps on the islands. How many traps have you got there? Uh, that's a good question. We've got, we've got about 28,000 traps in Fjordland altogether... That's the islands and some on the mainland. We've got Murchison Mountains, the big predator control operations. We've probably got around about 20-odd thousand down through the islands here. So there's a, there's a lot, yeah. And a mixture, we've got dock trap, the traditional squasher, and we're also trialling more and more and starting to use more and more the Good Nature A24 self-resetting trap, the gas-powered one, which is showing to a lot of promise, looking really good. And the reason we use traps, I guess, down here is that all our islands are within swimming range of stoats and quite a lot of them are within swimming range of rats. So while we have taken predators off and bunched those islands using using traps, there's always surety really that eventually we'll get a rat or a stoat getting back onto those islands. So we like to have a, this network of traps on there that are kind of ready all the time and poised to capture the new immigrants. Things like we could use things like 
bait stations or toxin in bait stations, but in this environment it goes mouldy very quickly. You only get last about a month and it becomes mouldy and no longer palatable. And we're only down here, most of the islands we're visiting about four or five times a year. So um, we want something that's going to keep active for the for the whole whole time we're not here. Yeah. So we're on a four-day mission. It, obviously it takes a, a day at extra at either end to get to and from here because it's very remote. We have been in Chalky Inlet. Tell me about the islands here. The jewel and the crown, I guess, in Chalky is Chalky Island. Amazing island. That did have stoats on there and they were removed about 12 years ago. Did it have deer? It didn't have deer and it didn't have rodents, so that was a real plus. Subsequently, we've, we've put back a whole bunch of species, like on Chalky, we've put back onto there moho, teiki, robins, little spotted kiwi, kakapo, and on front of parakeet. So, you know, when you go on there now, it's just alive. Chalky's the big one, and the passage is sort of associated with it. The other main islands there is an island called Great Island, which is about 750 hectares. That's got the stoats and rats and mice on it. And we've got another one called a little group called Smallcraft Harbour Islands. And the Smallcraft Harbour Islands, they had rats on them and mice and deer. So we've got, we're really lucky in Fjord and we have a lot of um, generous sponsors who help us with our work. And we've got a, um, some sponsors, private sponsors helped fund the traps for Smallcraft Harbour. We put a whole network of traps on there. We've eradicated rats off there now. Um, we've eradicated stoats off there and we quite recently eradicated deer off there using some new thermal imaging technology. So that's pretty cool. So that's, it's got mice there still, but it's getting there. Great Island, we're using that as a trial site to, to test whether the Good Nature A24 trap can basically eradicate or suppress to very low densities stoats. We know they kill stoats quite effectively, but we wanted to just see what proportion of stoats they kill and it's looking really really good we've started off with quite high numbers of stoats and now we're probably down to the last one or two we think so that's great island and we're going to tackle rats on there next much of the work keeping fiordland's islands free of predators is carried out from the dock boat the southern winds it's based out of deep cove and doubtful sound but spends much of its time further south I'm Chris, Chris Pascoe, I'm skipper of Southern Winds for the Department of Conservation. So where are we at the moment, Chris? Uh, We're in Sealers Bay, Chalky Island, in the outer Chalky Inlet. So where are we going on this trip? We're going here in Chalky Inlet? And then we're going down to Preservation, Preservation Inlet to do some uh, trapping work down there, and then we uh, head back to Doubtful Sound. Now these trips are always pretty weather dependent, so what's our weather outlook? Uh, weather outlook is actually wind for the next few days. It's a forecast of um, 45 uh, coming up for us this afternoon and then it eases a bit on Friday, which is good because that'll give us a chance to do our trap work. And then we will probably be ducking home on Saturday. It's not going to be pleasant going home even in 25 of Westerly, but it's going to be better than 40. So, yeah, we'll go home Saturday probably. I gather you spend most of your time on the boat, but do you get any sense of what these islands are becoming, even out here from the boat? Yeah, absolutely. When the boat's shut down, I can hear the birds. Absolutely knows the difference because, you know, more often than not, we might be anchored adjacent to the mainland um, where there's less bird life, and then we come out to the islands and you certainly notice it. And, and even leaving from Doubtful Sound and going out to Resolution and all of a sudden you're surrounded by kaka. It's amazingly noticeable even from the boat, Yeah. Speaking of birds, 
While half of the team are off to check stoat and rat traps, some of us have some birds to catch first. There you go. We are on Chalky, Te Kakahu Island, and we are trying to catch robins for a translocation to Martins Bay. So you haven't even got off the beach and you're luring a robin in. Do you want to explain how you're doing that? So I started by just playing a few calls to get their attention and now I'm throwing him some mealworms to tempt him closer, get him interested. And once he's taken a few mealworms, I'll set up a drop trap baited with a mealworm and hopefully he'll sneak under it and we'll catch him. Well, he came in very quickly to that recorded call and he's very quickly worked out what the mealworms are. He has. And he's a he because he's got a white breast? Yes. He's certainly enjoying the mealworm, so I might just set up the trap. So the trap is a plastic mesh cage, just a lid really, and she's propped it up on a piece of hinged wood with a long string going away from it, and she's going to put mealworms in underneath it. And then when the robin pops underneath to get the mealworm, she'll pull the stick out with her piece of string. Okay, so we've got the trap set up now. And feed him a few more mealworms and hope he comes closer. And they've got amazing eyesight. So, so. so the good thing about the mealworms is they're quite wriggly, aren't they? Yes, yeah, quite wriggly and attractive to robins. Easy free breakfast. I hope he comes closer quickly because the mealworms are crawling away out of the trap. So you're just going to play the call again? It went inside the trap, but it managed to get out again. Why are you moving robins to Martins Bay? Martins Bay have had a predator control operation for quite some time now, and they're at the level now of low stoats and rats that robins will be able to live alongside them. A little bit of a gamble always when there's still stoats and rats around. Pretty close to the trap. <laughs> We're going to band these robins with a metal ID band and then a yellow colour band as well, uh, so that the residents of Martins Bay can monitor them. And as soon as they start seeing robins without yellow bands, then we'll know that they've bred successfully there, which is uh, one of the markers of a successful translocation if they breed and persist over a number of years. So we're hoping to transfer up to 150 birds to Martins Bay. So today we're, we're aiming for a minimum of 30 today. How are you going to get them up to Martins Bay? A helicopter. So if all goes well and we catch enough birds today, um, a helicopter will fly in from Tianao, pick up the birds, transport them up to Martins Bay, and then they'll be released uh, near the homestead area at Martins Bay. So pretty much moving them from one end of Fiordland to the other. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. This is an exercise in patience, isn't it? It is. I think most work with birds is an exercise in patience. We might have filled his belly with mealworms. He's uh, looking less interested now. He's disappeared. Well, that's good news. The other team have just indicated to us that they have caught the first bird of the day, so that's exciting. We're, we're on the board. Excellent. Only 29 to go. Only 29 to go. So what are you going to do? Maybe leave this one for a little while and come back? Yeah, and I, think we'll, um, I think we'll move on a bit further down the beach, see if we can find another bird and have another go. Yeah.
Hello Robin, there's one in the tree above me. It's just a little windy on the beach and it keeps blowing our drop traps over so we've just moved into the forest and we've spread ourselves out along the track basically trying to find different Robin territories and in a minute I'll play a call and see if anyone's in the neighbourhood. just got one so I've just quickly put it in a little cloth bag and I'll deliver it to Jen who's going to do the banding. I've got you a beautiful male robin to be banded Jenny. Thank you very much. It was an extremely obliging one. (laughs) Good to hear. So on our way up here we passed the others and they had already caught three so it's not a bad start. Yes so we're Getting into it now. There we go, little fella. Looking beautiful. By the end of day, we have 41 robins safely tucked away in travel boxes. The following morning, the helicopter whisks the birds away to Martins Bay at the mouth of the Hollyford River. The rest of the day is spent checking trap lines on various islands in Chalky Inlet. And in the late afternoon, Southern Wind skipper Chris turns the boat south for a short, briefly boisterous trip to Preservation Inlet, the southernmost fjord in Fiordland. Just as in Dusky Sound and Chalky Inlet, there are plenty of small islands in Preservation Inlet from which Doc is gradually eliminating pests, often carrying out the work in partnership with other organisations. One of these is the Coal Island Preservation Trust, which is more properly known as the Southwest New Zealand Endangered Species Trust. The trust was formed in 2004 by a group of Southland locals with the aim of turning Te Puka Hereka, or Coal Island, into a world-class sanctuary. Here's Ali King, chair of the trust. Coal Island's in the southwest corner of New Zealand. It's one of the remotest islands in New Zealand and it's tucked into preservation in it. And the size of it, it's around 2,500 acres, about 1,100 hectares. The island is actually part of Fjordland National Park, but you're part of a group of volunteers who basically decided to make it predator-free. Correct, yeah. And there was a, a mate of mine who was a helicopter pilot by the name of Wayne Pratt. He used to fly over it all the time, and um, he could see the, the potential in the island, and uh, he... Then got us together and we had, we had a bit of a get-together, a few beers, and he said, we can do this, let's turn this into a predator-free island. And um, we'd done a couple of reckeys onto the island to, to see what was there and, and if it could be done. And it was after that that we then formed the trust to then eradicate the pests on Coal Island. So what pests did you find there? There was mice, stoats and deer on the island and we eradicated uh, all those uh, successfully over a number of years. No rats, though? No rats. There had been the odd rat there, but they think that the stoats nailed them pretty quick because they must have been getting low on food. As the bird sauce was running out, they nailed the rats. So, yeah, there was was mice and then stoats mainly and deer. So how did you go about getting rid of these things, and what order did you do it in? The first thing we done, we cut tracks on the island. We had a group of volunteers in there for a week who then cut all the three main tracks right right around the island and through the middle. Then the traps 
went out onto the island. And then when it came to the deer on the island, there was we hired a group of colours that went onto the island and spent time on the island and basically eradicated every deer on the island. And then after that, the next step was to eradicate mice on the island. What's the forest on coal? Just podocarp forest, yeah. Before we eradicated the deer on coal island, when you went on there, you could see 200 metres through the bush. It was open, it was eaten out. Yeah, it was quite devastating. And then now, since we've eradicated the deer, we are constantly cutting the tracks back because the trees and the seedlings are growing that fast and you can only see sort of 50 metres up you know, in front of you. Yeah. So when you first approached Doc about doing this, this island within Fuel National Park and you basically went, can we get rid of the predators and look after it for you, what was Doc's reaction at that time? We basically went to, went to them and says, there's a group of us volunteers and we want to make that island predator-free and, and we'll raise the funds and do it and with no, at no cost to the department. It's got to be said that we weren't welcomed with open arms <laughs> because the department, rightly so, probably thought it was their job to do that. And that relation's changed over time? It definitely has. Our relationship with the Department of Conservation now is great. It's marvellous. So that island is not that far from the mainland, is it? No, the, the possibilities of it becoming infested again are always present. We've just got to be vigilant enough to keep it predator-free. So what does that vigilance involve? The vigilance involves we checking the traps up to six times a year on the island itself. We've also run another two lines of tracks on the, on the mainland, which, which in our idea is that, that it'll stop the predators when they get to the shore from looking across at the island and then swimming. If we can stop them on the mainland before they get there, well then we're half our work's done. Yeah. How many traps have you got on the island? Uh, there's 150-odd dock 150s on the island itself, and there's probably about the same on the mainland. I think there's 140 or 147 on the mainland itself. Yeah. We also, since the last few years, we've also started putting traps on what we call the cording islands, which are little step-to islands that are round coal that predators can hop to, as in swim to, to get to the island. So what have you done since you've made the island predator and deer-free? It started off with past kiwis being released on the island. Their first release on the island was, I think it was seven birds, and out of that seven birds was six males and one female, so lucky her. <laughs> they are juveniles, and that's going back probably ten years now when we've done that, and since then there's been other releases of kiwis onto the island. We've also done a mahua transfer onto the island and South Island robins onto the island as well. And they're all doing well? They're all doing very well breeding, yep, definitely. Yep. And it's amazing how many other birds are back there now too. You can't walk through there now without being pestered by the carcass and the pigeons and fantails, bellbirds, tuis. They've naturally come back to the island. Time to check some traps. It's a windy day on Coal Island in Preservation Inlet. There's a flock of brown creepers and mohua and fantails and bellbirds. The wind's thrashing through the tall rimu trees, which are dropping fruit everywhere. The ground is covered in fruit from rimu, meadow, and all the bushes are just festooned 
with different coloured berries. I'm looking at one that's got bright, shiny orange orbs hanging from it. This is what you get on an island with no rats, no mice, no stoats. It's great. But keeping it that way takes a lot of work. Ellie talked about making six visits a year to check the trap lines on Coal Island and the adjacent mainland. It's a big job. Another 100 metres, here's another trap. I should point out that I'm walking through the forest carrying a reusable shopping bag with two dozen eggs in it, which is a bit of a challenge when you slide down a slope because there aren't tracks here, there's just cut routes through the forest. Um, there's orange markers so we can work out where we're going, but it's very definitely up and down and off-road. So, I've got a bum bag around my front with a handy socket thing on it because the lid's firmly tied tight. And I'm going to unscrew it. Slide the box off, lid off, check the entrance, nice and clear. And then there's some manky, months-old dried meat and not-so-dried meat in there. So I'm going to put a glove on and throw that all away, a long way away. Ugh, mouldy. The glamorous side of conservation, rotten meat and an egg which is going to be chucked a very long way away because it will stink. And I completely failed and I threw it far too close. Mmm, never mind. Pays to watch for pangas in the way. And now I've got to put back in one piece of fresh meat, one piece of arrays, which is dried rabbit, complete with hair and everything. It's revolting. <laughs> and then I've got two dozen eggs. And I'm going to stick a fresh egg in. So, rebated. And now I just have to check that the trap hasn't seized up. So it's a dock 200 trap. And I just let it off. Done. And screw the lid tightly back on so that nothing can get in. And lefty-loosey, righty-tighty. One of the Coal Island trap checkers is Megan Willens, who's also a Coal Island Preservation Trust trustee. So, Megan, you are just screwing in yet another <laughs> long screw into yet another trap box. How many have you cleared in the last three days? Uh, I don't know, maybe about 60, 70. Takes a lot of work, doesn't it, to keep these islands free of stoats? Yeah, I guess so, but these are also really precious times because we only get to come to them individually sort of a couple of times a year, so I'm not necessarily rushing back to the boat at the moment. So what do you like about this island? It is relatively complex. It's a, it's a, a large island in Fiordland, not as large, obviously, as Resolution and Secretary, but it's a really good-sized island. It's right out on the edge of Fiordland, down the bottom corner. Um, With Pusica Point and the lighthouse just over the Otago yeah. Reach. But it's got a lot to offer. The size of it has a lot to offer because you can put a population here of 
forest birds and know that there's enough land here to have a good self-sustaining population providing the predators don't get back. So that's pretty neat really. So what about this relationship, so the Southwest New Zealand Endangered Species Trust, is that what it's properly called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we keep calling it the Coal Island Preservation Trust, but I mean it's a group of volunteers, you included. I mean you have worked for DOC in the past, but now you have a different relationship in terms of this island. So are those relationships important? Do you think it, it is an important thing to have people who aren't just DOC looking after these islands? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the people here, or everyone else on the Trust, has a much more longer-standing relationship with Fiordland than myself. I arrived um, down here about 20 years ago, but these people have been working in this environment, earning a living in this environment. So, yeah, to them it's, um, it's really neat. And to be able to see the work that's been done, I guess, by the department on other islands around Fiordland and go, well, we can do that here. We just need some support and a fair amount of money. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's amazing that they gave it a go, knowing that this was one of the more remote islands in New Zealand. It's awesome. The Trust has some ambitious plans for Coal Island. Here's Ali King again. Hopefully we'll get Saddleback. We've put in a funding application for Saddlebacks. We've also had a funding application accepted for a seabird trial, which is trying to attract seabirds back onto the southwestern faces of the island. We've got no idea what in history what was there previous, so we have to get a team in there to, to have a look and to see what we can attract. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got a few plans. And the way that the Kākāpō breeding program has been over this last year, or last breeding season, the Kākāpō team are looking strongly at us for putting birds on there as well. You'd like that? I'd definitely love that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our ultimate goal. If we can get those big green parrots on there, we'll be happy. Yeah. I checked quite a few traps during this trip to Chalky and Preservation Inlets in Fiordland, and you may be wondering if my rotten egg throwing improved with practice. Gloves on, throw away the rotten meat. Oh, that meat stinks. Throw away the rotten egg. Twice where I've hit the nearby tree. Clearly, I need some practice at throwing, don't I? Before the trip came to an end, I sat down again with Doc's Lindsay Wilson for a chat about the future of the Fiordland Islands Restoration Programme. I got a chance to walk around on Cole, which is a yeah. lovely island, has lots of potential. It's a beautiful island, eh? Really productive, lots of podocarp forest on it. I can really see it swarming with kōkāko would be nice one day. So while we were walking around coal checking all the traps, not finding anything, which is always good news, yeah. what were the other islands you were looking at? So the other ones we were looking at in preservation was mainly the Cording Islands. There's a sort of an archipelago of about 10 islands, and they total about 90 hectare-ish. Range from some little wee rock stacks, pretty much, up to a bigger one, about 30 hectares. All of those islands, about 18 months, up until 18 months ago, they all had rats, stoats, and one of them had mice as well on them. And unusually for down here, they had Norway rats and ship rats on most of them. So we set up a big trapping program there about 18 months ago, sponsored project, and had that running there for 18 months. And this is the sort of about the fourth visit we've had down there since then. And really exciting this time, out of those 10 islands and islets, seven of them, there's no sign of rats on them. So no tracking, nothing in the traps. So it's early days to say they're rat-free, but it's looking really hopeful, yeah. 
so well, quite cool. That didn't take long. No, it's quite neat, eh? Yeah. So it's like you've got a recipe now for what you need to do? I think we're getting there, eh? With these, with these small islands, we kind of know pretty much if we put two self-resetting traps in that sort of habitat on those smaller islands, we looks like we can eradicate rats from them. So that's pretty neat. And we've, we've got a mixture on there. We've got a few um, of the old dock traps on there as well. And they were sort of put there originally to target stoats. So we haven't got any stoats breeding there anymore. We get the old one visiting every few years, you know. But it's essentially stoat-free, maybe rat-free. So we'll, we've got this big beach mask coming up. Yeah. So, so what, what's that going to mean for you? Well, I guess for down there, there's a lot of seed on the ground now. Seed's pretty much all fallen. So huge food resource. So if there are still rats on those islands, it should become pretty apparent because they'll have all this food resource. They'll start to put out their young over the next kind of couple of months, really, and by pretty much November, December, we'd expect to see, if they weren't being managed, we'd expect to see an explosion of rats. So hopefully what we'll see this coming six months is none. <laughs> and in terms of the stoats, though, you still get stoats swimming across from the mainland. Yeah. You know, when you're out on those islands, it's fantastic. Obviously, it's working really well getting rid of the rats, getting rid of the stoats. You turn around and look at mainland Fiordland. That's a vast amount of land in there from yeah. which all those stoats are coming. What are you able to do there? Yeah, well, I guess the two main approaches. One is we put in place a trap network on the islands and we're sort of relying on the trap network being able to intercept stoats that land on the island and kill them before they either breed or do too much damage. So that seems to mostly work, although we've got some evidence like on coal about five years ago we caught seven stoats one year. That sort of implied probably that a female had swum across, managed to avoid getting caught for, you know, maybe a couple of months, um, produce this litter. But then at the end of the day, we've, we caught no more states after that for about two years. So we're going to get a constant series of incursions, and we just hope to mop them up as they arrive. So that's, that's one approach. And I guess the other approach is we do a whole lot of buffer control on the mainland and try and reduce the numbers of states that are present on that adjoining mainland. And we're trialling that a little bit down in Dusky Sound at the moment. What about Tiakina Namanu, the battle for our birds? Is there going to be any 1080 work done down in that part of Fiordland? Not in preservation this coming year, or Chalky, but up in Dusky Sound, yes, there will be. So we're looking either this year or next year, depending on just how soon the rat numbers rise. We're looking at essentially trialling a couple of things in Dusky Sound, Tamatea, We've got two big peninsulas there that jut into the um, sound. And we've been doing some monitoring of the Kiwi on there, Field and Talkweka, over the last two years. Had about, I think, roughly about 20 chicks been produced there, and none of those chicks have lasted more than three weeks. They've all been predated by stoats. So pretty, that's in an unmanaged site with no, no pest control going on. So that sort of shows the kind of situation we've got, you know, when we don't manage stoats. Obviously, it's not that bad every year we'd have no kiwi left but it shows that often it is really bad what we're intending to try this year is we're going to do an aerial 1080 drop on those peninsulas about 40,000 hectares and that will get rid of possums off that area or reduce them to very low densities it will knock the rats down to very low densities but also we're hoping it'll knock the stoats down to very low densities and we're going to sort of see whether that approach you know doing some intermittent aerial aerial 1080 operations on a landscape scale, whether that can grow our talkweka population, so whether we can kill enough stoats and essentially suppress them for long enough to get kiwi coming away. Yeah, you know, they are very mobile stoats, as you know, so they can go 
that record one up from you know Eggington Valley went 65 kilometres or something in three weeks to Burwood Bush. They can go huge distances very quickly. So we don't know yet what the rate of reinvasion will be into the peninsula. So that's one of the big questions, and we don't know what will be left behind after the drop. But it's so we're going to learn a lot. But the other thing with that drop. It has the potential as well, if we can get a good kill of the stoats, to reduce that. That's the main launching pad, really, for stoats going onto Resolution Island. So we know, in a, particularly in a um, mast event, we get a number of stoats zooming across the Acheron Passage onto Resolution. So hopefully this will prevent that, or at least reduce dramatically that immigration onto Resolution Island. It does make me wonder about predator-free 2050, this vision of a New Zealand without any predators. And I look at even just this corner of New Zealand and the work it's taken. And, and yes, it's working, but trying to imagine rolling that out across the whole country is quite a daunting prospect. Yeah, yeah, it is a, it is a very aspirational goal, that's for sure. It's a, it's a big one. Yeah, I think with our islands, the way I look at it with our islands, our islands are like conservation lifeboats. So they're our way to preserve or protect and provide safe habitat for all our most certain species. We can put them onto those lifeboats, which we're, we're busy plugging up the holes now with the trapping networks. Get Secure those, so we're sort of buying ourselves time to a degree. So we're making sure we don't lose any more species if we possibly can while we learn how to do this better on the mainland. So that's the first thing with our island work now. It's really about the lifeboat scenario. Meanwhile, the, the, the mothership's burning somewhat and we need to work out how to fix that up. But I think that's definitely the approach. But then with Fjordum, we're quite lucky because we've got all these peninsulas that jut out you know, with the fjords and it gives us a lot of opportunity to try a sort of intermediate approach which rather than launching into the mainland New Zealand, if you like, on a, on a huge scale, we can pick off some of those peninsulas which is what we're trying to do with Dusky this year. We've done it actually in the little peninsula north of the Cording Islands where we've got a trap network on the peninsula north of the Cordings. So we're trying that as a sort of buffering thing. So if, if that can be effective, we start with you know, islands, then a plinches, which are like almost islands. So, you know, With the islands, we've obviously got a big moat around them, which gives us um, you know, a good biosecurity advantage. With the plinches, we've only got one point of main access. Then we might learn how to do it better there, hopefully, and then maybe move inland from there. So, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I just, it is a huge goal. I think it's been a really successful rallying banner, the predator-free New Zealand. I think it, I, really, I really like it, and um, I think it's getting a lot of people working together on a unified goal. But it is ambitious. But I do look at back, it wasn't too long ago, 1986, 87, we took Norway rats off Braxy Island with hand-laying vitificum bait, and at the time people thought that was um, unlikely to succeed. 170 hectares, little island. Very steep little island, as you know. But that was successful. You know, early 2000, we took um, the rats off Campbell Island, 11,000 hectares, same thing. People thought that wouldn't work. It did. You know, more recently, South Georgia, 80,000 hectares, so that what's imaginable now, you know, I just think with the passage of time and technology and just different thinking, I still think there's a huge range of possibilities. Like we're seeing even with our deer control recently, we've started using thermal imaging a lot. And we're doing things in a, in a few weeks that would have taken us years previously in terms of removing deer from islands and so on. So, yeah, I'm sort of, I'm sort of optimistic. I mean, it does seem unimaginable almost now, but I think let's think back... Not that long ago. I mean, we're going to do a million hectares of 
aerial 1080 work for rat control primarily this year in New Zealand. Well, it was only like back in the early 90s we were doing essentially no rat control and then we started doing very small areas and to go from that to like a million hectares this year, well, this, even down here at Fjordan we were doing 190,000 hectares potentially. So huge areas. So give us another 20 or 30 years and a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of new technology. I think anything's possible, eh? A big thanks to Doc and the Southwest New Zealand Endangered Species Trust for the opportunity to join this trip to the southwest corner of New Zealand. A special thanks to everyone on the trip, and especially to Ali King and Megan Willens from the Coal Island Trust, Jenny Rickett from Doc, Skipper Chris Pascoe, and Lindsay Wilson. This was Lindsay's last trip with Doc, and although he is now, quote, retired, he is still doing lots of work on predator control. If you'd like to listen to this story again or check out some pictures from Fiordland, just head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You'll find all the episodes of the Elemental and Kakapo Files podcast there as well. And why not sign up for our free weekly newsletter? Don't forget you can subscribe to the Our Changing World podcast at any podcast app. And I post links to all our stories on Twitter and Facebook, where we are RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Until next time, it's good night from me, Alison Balance. Kia pai tōpō.